Welcome to the Dear Beloved Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Jean, founder of the Beloved Collective, and together we will dive deep into relationships, femininity, and the stages leading up to marriage from a Catholic perspective. Here you'll find real conversations rooted in the truth, dispelling the lies found in our culture, and learn practical ways that we can keep Christ at the center of our lives and relationships. Dear beloved, welcome back. I am so excited to have my very first interview with a couple today, um, the Summeros. I would love for them to introduce themselves. So go ahead and introduce yourselves. Sure. Thank you so much for having us. We're John and Stacy Summero. Um, the the more well known of the couple is is Stacy because she has her podcast uh, called Encaffeinated, and she'd be happy to tell you a little bit about that. I'm just kind of along for the ride, but we've been married for about <laughs> six years, six and a few months, and we had we're expecting baby number four. So mm-hmm. we, uh, yeah, I like to say we're taking it slow. Yeah, very very relaxed pace right. for our marriage. Yeah, it's been it's been really uneventful. Um, yeah, I'm I'm the one who speaks on stages, but John is definitely the, my better half. Um, and yeah, we consider ourselves so blessed to have been married for um, the craziest six years of our lives, I think, right? Yeah, except for the first one. The first one was nuts. <laughs> so much spit up. That's true. Um, and yeah, and so I, I host the Called and Caffeinated podcast, which I have been hosting for about um, four years now. I started it when I was a mom of one pregnant with my second, and I was really missing coffee dates with my friends. And I was also interested in having a long form conversation about the art of discernment and what that actually looks like and what that means and trying to put some kind of a label or a structure on it just because it's such an undefined process, which I think is actually for a good reason. But I wanted to know what other people's discernment experiences were like and what how people heard God speaking to them in their lives, uh, which is a question that I think a lot of people have not really thought of, um, especially Catholics. Um, perhaps our Protestant brothers and sisters sort of take that a little more to heart of like wanting to hear God's voice in your life um, very personally and very specifically. And so I was so curious about how God was working in other people's lives and how they saw him working in their life. So I started that that podcast to talk about discernment and how do you know your calls, not just your vocation, but every call in your life, the big one, the big ones, as well as the small ones. And it has just been such a fascinating journey. So um, I've gotten to host some online conferences, um, write blogs, launch my YouTube channel as, you know, putting my show on YouTube as well as on audio platforms. And that's just been such a blessing. So yeah, I love it. It keeps, keeps pace with my motherhood for sure. And it's been such a beautiful journey. That's awesome. Oh, I love it. Um, today we're going to talk a little bit more about like the earlier times of marriage so that you can just infuse all of your goodness from the past six years to us. (laughs) which I'm ecstatic for. So um, very generic questions to start off, but how did you guys meet? Hmm, Catholic match. Really? We are a Catholic match success story. And in fact, it was John's first day on the site um, when I found his profile. And um, I don't know about any of the ladies 
who are listening, but I had a rule for myself where I wanted a traditional marriage where a man was going to pursue me. And so I had this rule for myself. I'm very type A, very much a go-getter. I knew that if I was taking all the initiative in the relationship, it was not going to be a good setup for the relationship. And so I had this rule where I was like, I'll send a guy an emoji, but I won't send him anything else. And if he responds with a message, not just an emoji, but like a message, then we can start talking. So I found John's profile. He was like new on Catholic Match. And I was like, oh, he's really cute. And I, it, the information on your profile was so sparse. Um, but I gathered enough to know like, hmm, this guy is very attractive. And Thank you. It wasn't even a picture of me, I don't think. I think it was a painting that I'd done of myself. It was, so a, was, yeah. it was a self-portrait, but also you had taken a picture with like a webcam or something. Okay, yeah. One was right. smiling and one was serious. Right. <laughs> the two emotions. <laughs> the two emotions. <laughs> um, and so I sent him a message and then I got totally overwhelmed. Didn't sign into the site again for like three weeks. I just was in a place where I was like, I need to take a step back from the constant messaging. And so I signed back in three weeks later to find three, maybe four return messages from John and poor John. He'd gone through an entire journey while I hadn't been on the site where he was yeah. like, I, I became convinced that Stacy was just like a bot that they created to, um, to get you to pay for the service. Cause like you can, you can send emojis uh... and you can like, I don't know. You can do a limited number of things without paying for the service. But you can't do messaging back and forth. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, so I paid for the, the service so I can message this girl. And then she never answered me back. That's a bot. I got suckered in. <laughs> I knew she was too good to be true. Spam. Classic right? Catholic match spam. But I never gave up. <laughs> I never gave up. That's perseverance in action right there. Yes. yes. Yeah. And I prayed, prayed to St. Raphael. He's the patron saint of of that site and mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so our our oldest son is named Raphael now yeah yeah um yeah so one, one thing I really liked about John was that he asked me right away if we could meet um he came all the way from Pennsylvania to New York um I was living on Long Island and he came for a date and he was willing to make that trip put in the effort right away to come see me which I really appreciated because um I you know I, I've heard the gamut of Catholic match experiences. Um, obviously mine is very good and I know a, a number of other really solid Catholic couples, but I know sometimes you have to be really persistent and messaging back and forth can be a huge time suck. So if there are any gentlemen listening, I always recommend just please try to call, you know, don't just text, but like call the girl, meet up with her as soon as possible. I think most women would be flattered by that and not creeped out. Um, I was certainly flattered by that, that he would make that effort. Um, yeah, as long as you can make it something chill. It's it's tricky when they're hours away and you feel silly about just meeting for coffee or something like that. But um, I went on one other date in my life, also, um, also initiated through Catholic Match. And it was just like a, a lunch date because she wasn't too far away. And I was like, we messaged back and forth like maybe once or twice. And I said, can we meet for... For lunch mm -hmm. and it yeah you just avoid a lot of weirdness and mm -hmm. um a lot of wondering just like go yeah. for it and see how it goes yeah have a good time yeah i definitely always appreciate it when it was an in-person encounter because you just can't you come across a different way online it's just i'm convinced more and more the older i get um that the devil can use technology for good and he can use it for very very ill and he loves to twist things in a way that he love he would love to never see good marriages happen. Okay. So to cut yeah. to the chase a little bit more, um, 
John met with me. We had our first date. We started officially dating two months later, and then we got engaged three months after that. So <laughs> I can't, I can definitely not unequivocally recommend that simply because I feel like for someone who's, you know, 19 or maybe in college or like, that's just not necessarily a good time of your life to be knowing someone for five months and getting engaged. Um, but for us, we had both discerned religious life. It just happened. I mean, it really felt miraculous that we were able to come together so quickly and recognize like, this is the person I've been waiting for. It was natural. That part of things was, was very quick. Um, and I always want to tell our story with a grain of salt too, because, um, I had five boyfriends and I went on dates with a bunch of guys before I met John. And it wasn't until I discerned religious life that I feel that I gained the spiritual maturity to actually be able to look for the right things in a man. Um, and so, yes, our relationship was so fast, you know, it progressed so quickly. We really didn't have massive fights or it wasn't this back and forth, you know, kind of story. Um, and we didn't break up or anything like that. There wasn't heartache involved, but the precursor to that was having to grow a lot spiritually. And then God in his timing just made it happen really fast when he, when he wanted it to happen. So I certainly, you know, I don't want to make it sound like we have this perfect fairy tale and nothing ever went wrong. And it was just so easy for us because, you know, we both struggled separately kind of before we, before sure. we met each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of the Be Satisfied With Me prayer by St. Anthony of Padua? No, but I want no. to. No. Okay. So, okay. So I, I, it's my favorite. It's really long, but the, the essential aspects of it is like praying. It's, it's a, like a letter from God to you of like, I want you to be satisfied with me before you start looking at other people, because until you are satisfied fully by me, no one is going to fill that, that hole in your heart. And at one point it says, um, I, I want you to be so focused on me until you and the person I have prepared for you is also ready. It's like this beautiful, like you're also praying for them. And I just feel like that was kind of your story of like, mm -hmm. you know, you're working on yourself and he's working on himself. And then when the time was right and it just made sense. Yes. That's, that's beautiful. I'd like to just interject something real quick. Um, it's, it's not like you can get it all out of the way before you get married and then you're just set, like you're totally mm -hmm. satisfied with God for good. Yes. And I think a lot of the times, like the strife that you face in marriage or the struggles or like the times, like we are, we're super close. Like I don't know many marriages that are as, that are as awesome as ours. <laughs> or as cuddly. We're kind of cuddly. But uh, occasionally you have like non-cuddly times. And those times are a call to like run back to God and make sure that you're really oriented towards him. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I would say it's like, it's an orientation of the heart that you need to gain. It's not so much getting all your issues fixed and taken care of and, and out of the way, because whatever has happened in your past is going to continue to haunt you or whatever, you know, hopefully not, not actively or whatever, but it's always going to be there. Um, so you can't change who you are and what, whatever has happened, but you absolutely can, if you have that attitude of surrender to the Lord and you have that attitude of openness and you have the habit of running to him when things go wrong, um, 
that is just such a great setup for marriage. And I think that's what religious discernment did for both of us. Uh, we both separately discerned religious life. And to your, to your point also about preparing the person that you're meant to be married to, John was actually not really ready to be married just because of his circumstances. Um, especially before we met, he actually was taking care of his grandma for a year and a half. And if he had met me and left her, I don't know that she would have had anyone else to take care of her the way that he was, because he was just her full-time caretaker. Um, which I, when I first met him and I found out that that's what he had been doing for the last year and a half, I was like, oh snap, this guy is amazing. <laughs> Either that or a bum, Moochin office grandma. <laughs> a little bit of both. No, he set aside, you know, any job that he would have applied for or anything else that he would have pursued to take care of his grandma. It was a very selfless thing. Um, and she's a wonderful, she's a wonderful woman. Um, but you know, it, it was, it was definitely a sacrifice for him. Um, and the fact that he was willing to make that sacrifice for that long for his grandma really spoke volumes to me. And so it happened really at the perfect time, which I had been very lonely that winter. I had finished discerning religious life and I really wanted to find the guy. And you know, John was coming. If I'd known John was coming, I wouldn't have spent a moment agonizing and asking myself, why am I not good enough? Why does this guy not like me? Why does this friend, why is this thing not working out with this friend? I wouldn't have agonized about any of that for a second. And I think from God's perspective, um, there's this statue of Jesus where he's got his hands extended. And every time I see that statue, I'm just like, I, I just think of Jesus being like, you guys, everybody calm down. I have got this, please. <laughs> and that, that is definitely the story of my singlehood. And I, I really like want to share that with your listeners because, you know, the, at the time when it, when it happens, it, it makes all of the worry of my past just seem like, I, I, I didn't have to spend that time doing that. There was no reason. Mm -hmm. um, just like in the song, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Yeah. Looking forward to checking out that prayer. Thanks for mentioning that. Yeah. Me too. Of course. I'll send it to you after. Don't worry. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I, I quick have a question for you, John. Sure. Um, what, goes through men's minds when they make dating profiles because i've always wondered this like how do you decide what goes on there how do you decide what pictures go on there i'm just like for every girl listening right now we we want we want to know that's an awesome question i wish i was qualified to answer it i only know myself i've never talked to any other guy about dating online um this isn't something you talk about. I feel yeah. like we need to have like a forum for guys to like get together and talk before they make their profiles. Well, yeah. So that yeah. they can give each other advice or just have <laughs> women give them advice on their profiles. That would be much better. That would be better. Yeah. Um, yeah, gosh, I don't know. Um, I guess some of the the things that I was trying to avoid would be like, and these are probably things that you don't actually want guys to avoid, but it'd be like, don't post too many pictures of yourself or they'll think that you're obsessed with yourself or something. <laughs> um, and I don't know. I mean, like the, so what I like about Catholic Match is that they, they have the questions you have to answer about, you know, do you agree with the church's teaching on whatever? Uh, are you open to children? You know, that kind of thing. Like the, the really basic 
based on stuff that you you want to know early on in a relationship um so i tried to fill that out you know honestly and thoroughly and beyond that um i didn't i didn't have a whole lot to brag about at that point in my life um so yeah i just figured like keep it simple um yeah I think your intention when you joined was to get offline as soon as possible. It was, yeah. Um, which I think is good. And I think, you know, it may be, <laughs> there may be some women out there, and I may have been one of these people who spent hours putting together, putting their profile together and had all their friends check their pictures. Is this enough? Is this, you know, are these the right pictures? Whatever. Yeah, I don't do that. No, I think there's, I think there's probably, well, this is a broad generalization, but if I had to guess, I would guess women spend way too much time trying to craft something and men spend too little time, perhaps, mm -hmm. or maybe just too little thought because there's definitely some, there were some that I read that I was like, okay, I don't think the woman you're looking for exists. Yes. When they're like, you're not my match if. And then it's like mm -hmm. listing all of these things. I'm like, why would you go right for the negatives? I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you on dating websites? If you don't mind my asking, I was for a while. I'm not right now. I'm I'm taking a break. It was not good for me mentally. That is very smart. Sometimes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I I've heard that. Yeah. I think it's I only like, gotten harder since we met. So yeah. I pray for my single friends a lot. I feel like I'm being called upon to defend all of the errors that guys are making in life. <laughs> and I don't even know what half of them are. But I've probably made some of them. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, I'll, I'll just leave it there. I, I mean, the, the fact I, I that she that. explained your photos as what they were, I'm just like, the, the biggest thing that gets me is what they what photos they choose to include. You know, I mean, sure. I don't, I don't know how anyone picks their photos. It's probably all different, but it's like, why is it of your dog or a sunset? Like you're not even in the picture. Yeah. Right. right. Or a group photo <laughs> and you can't even tell which is the actual guy. That or, do you know what I've seen a lot of? And it's, it's surprising how many in costume. Wow. That's just like a, a now um, thing, but it's yeah. not my favorite. <laughs> Maybe because Halloween is one of the few uh, like times when people take pictures of certain guys. No, Could be. I, just, I don't know. I do mm -hmm. apologize for them as well. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I feel like that needed to be said. <laughs> I, I, you know what's funny too is I asked John one time. I said, John, did you ever ask anybody dating advice like? you know, your dad, you're like, your dad's been married to your mom for 30 something years. I'm like, did you ever like ask his advice? Um, ask him any questions about anything before you got engaged? John thought, he's like, I think the one question I asked him was, can I borrow the car? <laughs> yeah. Whoa, my goodness. And he said, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I got creative. It was cool. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So, yeah, I think there's maybe a tendency to just be like, no, I got this. I can I can do this. I'm just not going to talk to anybody. And then sometimes girls can go the opposite direction and be like, I need to check this out with all of my friends and get all of their approval. And we're going to spend the whole night talking about it while we drink 
Moscato or whatever. But there's like definitely a balance because you want to have enough information in there for someone to be interested, but you also don't want to tell your whole life story because then what are they going to ask you about? Yeah. That's true. Sure. Yeah. Also, I, I don't know if anybody else has this experience, but I felt creepy looking at other people's profiles. If it was for more than like five minutes, I was like, okay, let's either meet this person or not. But I feel mm. creepy spying on you like this. I think that's really smart, actually. Be Well, it's not smart. I think it's indicative of someone who doesn't spend their life online, mm-hmm. wanting to more sure. kind of, you know, creep behind the scenes instead of actually living their life, which, oh, yeah, I could go on and on about that. Um, yeah, I think- and I think the intention is really important of why you're on there, of like, mm. you know, is my intention to get offline as soon as possible? Is my intention to look at every single person? Like, I don't know. I'm one of those people where, like, even if I'm online shopping, I have to look at every page. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. In case there's, like, something on there. So there's that – I feel like there's that temptation, too, sometimes on, like, online dating. I'd be like, I have to look at every single person. Sure. And that's overwhelming. Yes, for sure. For sure. It's hard too. I mean, I think, I think for men, like if there are, I don't know if your audience is primarily men or women, but, um, the, I I would love if men, and I've heard this from a lot of women, just, just put something accurate of how you actually look. Um, like your face as it looks now, no sunglasses and baseball hat pulled down, just your face as it looks It doesn't have to, you don't, like the person that is going to love you for you is going to love you exactly how you look. So you do not have to be Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. (laughs) You just be yourself because that's going to be enough for whoever is going to marry you. Um, And just let it be clear and accurate. And John's were, John's were minimal, but they really looked like him. Um, And I thought it was funny. Someone just, you know, would take a picture of himself like, it was probably like the only selfie he ever took in his life. Yeah, right? it was one of them. <laughs> I uh, I didn't have any other pictures of myself. I was yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. Whatever. That's fair. But it fair. it worked. It was enough. It was enough to to get us offline. Yeah. yeah. That's great. Well, we did hear a little bit about your story, and I was just had a question in there of like. I know it was kind of fast ish. You know, if you're looking at the majority of people. Um, was there ever a time when something happened and you maybe thought you guys weren't going to make it, (laughs) not like you were going to break up or like it wasn't meant to be? Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a couple examples. Are you thinking of one? No, I'm not. I'm wondering which things Stacey's thinking of. So let's find out. (laughs) Yeah. John, uh, John says, told me much later that if, uh, he could have, you know, chosen to marry me, had the option to marry me after that first date, he would have taken it, which is very sweet. Um, it took me a much longer, it took me like three whole months to make up my mind, um, which was forever. So um, as the more indecisive of the two of us, I was, <laughs> um, I remember one conversation we had really early on, and this feels so silly now, but it actually came from a, like a real place that, that I think actually may connect with some of your listeners. Um, I had dated a guy in the past who um, had a lot of control issues, a lot of issues in his past. And one way that it manifested itself in our dating relationship was that he wanted to be the funnier of the two of us. And he got very resentful if I was just like 
and you know saying things that made people laugh and he like wouldn't laugh at my jokes specifically he'd like shut down and sit there it was very immature it it really um but it really hurt me and it was the kind of thing where it was like I can't believe that we have to work on our humor like how, how do you even work on that um and it really was indicative of honestly like a, a deeper issue so when I was first talking with John um we had this this Zoom conversation, and he was in Pennsylvania. I was in New York. Her internet connection was terrible, and um, you know, John's very soft spoken. Um, I'm definitely more like the, the, I'm the actor, dramatic, you know, whatever. Um, and so I was really concerned, based on our conversation, that like John didn't really have much of a sense of humor, um, just because he he's so. I was worried that that same kind of issue would come up again. And I had told God so many times, like, I, I just want it to be like, he doesn't have to be the funniest guy in the room, but please let us just be able to laugh together. Um, and that was really a desire of my heart that I was like, I, that has to be something that's kind of natural for us. And so it was, it was sad for me that I was really liking this guy, but I was like, I just feel like our sense of humor is my senses of humor might be completely different. Yeah. Um, and it feels so small to say now, but it really was important at that particular moment. So I think it might have been a cat meme that she sent me. And she was watching my reaction and it wasn't like I didn't fall down laughing. And she's like, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. And what I didn't know is that like John doesn't fall down laughing at anything. But now that I know his sense of humor, it I know when he thinks something is really funny. He has this thing that he yeah. is the edge of the right side of his lip. Yep, just a, the right side of his mouth curls down. And that's how I know he thinks it's funny. And I think it's hilarious because I like try to get it to do that. And then when I do, I feel really successful. Um, but at the time, I didn't know. We were still just getting to know each other. And um, then I got off that phone call. I was seeing a friend. We watched Nacho Libre together. And then the next day I was telling, talking to John again about, you know, how we had watched Nacho Libre. And John was like, that's like one of my favorite movies of all time. And that was just such a little like God wink because I was like, oh, if he likes Nacho Libre, it's like, you know, it's so ridiculous and over the top. I was like, okay, I think we're going to be fine <laughs> if we can enjoy that kind of movie together. Um, cause there's a part of me that worried he was super serious. So that was just one little roadblock that was kind of like, oh, okay, you know, we can keep going. And I think the, you know, the moral of that story is to like, give someone enough time, um, to really get to know them and don't cut things off so quickly it, just because you haven't seen that side of a person yet. Um, for us, it definitely, it took a little time to develop, but we, we make each other laugh so hard and I think John is so funny and uh, yeah, he's our sense of humor are similar in some ways, but we express them differently. And so it's really made our marriage so much richer. Yeah, it's been great. I don't ever feel competitive with, with no. Stacy. No. In that regard, at least. With board games, we've we learned early on that we're not capable of playing board <laughs> games together. But uh, it's I fine. I wouldn't want to see that. No. I now get come over and then watch you guys play. I get upset. I get upset because to me, I can't separate that from our real life. So I'm like, you just killed my character in this game. Like, I'm I'm dead. Is that how you want me to be in real life? It's it's sad. <laughs> it's sad. And then I get mad at myself for like caring so much. John's pretty ruthless, so he'll just do it anyway. He'll just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I could see how that uh, that could affect <laughs> your lives together. It's funny. And I think the longer you are together, the more you learn to laugh at everything that was once a roadblock, which is so beautiful. I've thought so many times, um, you know, it just keeps coming to my mind. Like he makes all things beautiful in his, in its time, uh, in his time. God makes all things beautiful in his time. And that certainly is true of all of the roadblocks that we encountered early on, all of the things in our marriage in the first couple of years that felt like, wow, you know, we are trying so hard to understand each other. Why are we still talking about this? I can't believe we haven't resolved this yet. All of those kind of foundational things, like the fruit of learning how to communicate and working through all of the, the difficult times that we had were, it, it's so beautiful because God really makes it blossom. Um, the one thing that we haven't really seen the fruit of yet is our, our board games, but I'd say that's about it. Yeah, we haven't come to the end of, of that road, but um, another thing I wanted to to mention is that like even when you're engaged or even when you're dating, I guess, um, like you're going to hurt each other at certain points. And um, even that is good because... Like what you're signing up for in marriage is like perpetual vulnerability, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, just being being aware of how vulnerable you are, how sensitive you are to this person in particular because of your love for them. Mm -hmm. Like they have the ability to, to make your life awful. <laughs> and you got to sign up for that. You got to say, okay, that's cool. Because that's what God does for me every moment of my life. And uh um, yeah, without, without that, without, uh, a really intentional ascent to that vulnerability, I don't think you can really get past a certain level of mm. depth with your love. Mm. And, and I think also, if you don't mind me hijacking again, the conversation going along with that, um, you are com continually vulnerable to that part, to each other. And so the way that I think it, it works is by, continuing to appreciate the person for the gift that they are. Mm -hmm. And John does such a great job of that. Just thanking me, not only for, for what I do for the family, but who I am. Um, and I, I think our moments of intimacy are a great moment to really appreciate the other just for, for being. And uh, we were at mass, of course, yesterday, and the priest had said something really good in his homily. He said that you know, every year we have this ritual where we celebrate our birthday and we don't celebrate anything that we did. We just celebrate that we made it here, that we exist. And I think if you can really learn to appreciate the other person for the gift that they are, because you need a lot of things from them. We need, like, I need John to do X, Y, Z, honey-do list. We're, we're just working from, you know, five in the morning until eight o'clock at night, taking care of our, our children and so when I start to think of John as more like someone who does things for me as opposed to, you know, a gift from God, that's when things really start to, to devolve. And that's when we can start to take each other for granted and start to fight about petty things um, and, and really kind of look at each other with more resentment. But if you just keep bringing it back to the fact that your vocation is ultimately a gift and that this person is a gift, that just always puts things in a different, a different color, a different light.
What's up, beloved fam? It's me, Laura Jean, interrupting this episode to tell you about my flagship program, Made Beloved. Made Beloved is a proximate marriage preparation program that was designed with single individuals and dating couples in mind. When I was getting my master's in marriage and family theology, I was filled with so much gratitude that I got to study those topics as a single woman. I knew what I was learning was changing my life not only then, but would change everything moving forward. I created this program not as a typical marriage preparation program where you already know who and when you're getting married, but more to answer the big questions of, was I made for this? What are these longings teaching me about the design of God for marriage? Is there really something that can fulfill all of these desires in my heart? And if there is, how? How do I start building a life that supports this beautiful design of the Creator? We go over all of that and more in the 12-week Made Beloved program. I only open up registration a couple of times a year, so go to thebelovedcollective.com to learn more and to sign up for our waitlist to be the first to know when registration opens up. Looking for curated, beautiful paper goods and intentional products to simplify your life? Then look no further than the Beloved Co. shop. Yes, my very own product shop is here. Each product is made with the intention of helping you live well in the present moment. Stationary to connect with others, desk pads to help us remember what's really important as we plan out our weeks, and so much more. Intentional Catholic products to help you be a saint now and prepare you well for your future. These also make excellent gifts, so if you're looking for a gift for someone special in your life, check out the Beloved Co. shop on our website, thebelovedcollective.com. That's Beloved spelled B-L-V-E-D, and as always, you can find the link in our show notes. Yeah. Totally. I can see that. Yeah. And and speaking of like looking at things from a, from a, maybe a greater perspective, looking back, you know, way back when, <laughs> before you guys were dating, do you think like individually there was anything that you would have done differently or, or more of, or worked on before starting dating? Like now that you have like this bird's eye view. Do you want to find Go for it. Uh, I'm I'm always shocked and appalled by how difficult it is to be a parent and how ill-prepared everybody is for that. Um, we're just like so babied most of our lives, most people I think. Um, even in your singlehood, like most people live a, a pretty selfish existence in their singlehood. Mm. Even if they, you know, do charitable work or take care of somebody or whatever like you have a lot of your day to just do whatever the heck you want and uh parenthood is so not like that you have mm. very little time to yourself um and uh so yeah i would say in general just like more self-denial and um yeah uh Go babysit other people's kids. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's not a bad idea. And just think of just like doing that and never getting a break. <laughs> just think about that to acclim- acclimate your mind to that reality. I don't know. John that is sounded, so hardcore. John that sounded like really negative uh, review yeah. of parenthood, but no, it's amazing. <laughs> it's just it's, just it's just a traumatic shock to jump into that from being a kid, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My advice, it, it's so hard to give generalized advice because different people need different things. Um, and I will just admit that I come, I have a personality of a people pleaser and I want so much to be liked 
And uh, in my field of musical theater, there was the... (laughs) It's all about pleasing other people. You know, you stand in front of an audition panel and if they like you, they cast you. If they don't, they don't cast you. And so um, I think a part of it was just the nature of the field that I was in, but also part, part of it was my my personal temperament that I was given. Um, I wish that I had been stronger in myself and really asked myself, Stacy, what is it that you really, really want? and behaved in that manner instead of wanting to please people because there are so many people who come into and out of your life, uh, coworkers, you know, friends of convenience, roommates, um, just people who pass through your life and they all are going to have an influence on you. But I think if you're not careful and you have a people-pleasing personality, you can end up falling into habits that really are not working you toward that best version of yourself and you have to be very strong in yourself now that i'm married to john it's so much easier in many ways for me to have good habits because um there's nobody inviting me out to a bar late at night there's nobody around you know my life is very structured and i'm serving my family most of my day and of course there's lots of room for error within that but as far as just like getting off onto the wrong track or letting people lead you astray um or being part of a crowd that that you really wouldn't be a part of if you were looking at your life from your deathbed. This is something St. Ignatius recommends. Look at your life from your deathbed and ask yourself, you know, what would I have wanted to do? Um, And I think if we see people who, if if we become people who are strong in ourselves, it's such great preparation for marriage. And it's just going to um, give you a a path that you're you're proud of, you know? And and, um, John certainly is uh is that way he's never really followed the crowd in almost any aspect of his life and that's something i really admire about him um so yeah so that's going to apply to some people and not to others but yeah don't be afraid to say no even if your outward reality is that everyone around you thinks that you're an idiot because you're not doing this thing that they're all doing mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if that person that god's calling you to be is something other than what those people want you to do it literally does not matter Um, and so, yeah, really deeply thinking about what is it that I really, really, really want and then striving to be that person. Yeah. I think a really good example of that is Pier Giorgio Frasati because like his friends would be like, Hey, let's go, like, let's go out to the bar or do whatever. And he was like, well, I'm going to mass. So if Mm -hmm. you want me to come, you're coming with me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like almost turning it around on people. Right. And being like well, yeah, like, it's cool that you want to hang out with me, but I'm going to go hang out with Jesus first. Right. He was an amazing man. And and knowing that he could have gone any direction, there was nothing compelling him to go to Mass, and that's the direction that he went. I think that's amazing, yeah. obviously. And people are really attracted to that strength. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of ironically enough, like, when it's when you start to give in to the crowd that people start to lose interest in you, mm-hmm. even though you think, like, you're going to be popular finally mm-hmm. that no, doesn't work yeah there was so, someone's there oh go ahead i'm sorry it's so backwards because you like want to be part of the crowd to be liked mm-hmm. uh, but the reality is the people that you most admire are are on their own kind of right. like not that they don't have friends but like sure on their own level mm-hmm. in a way and strong in themselves yeah. right not afraid mm-hmm. to do something alone <clears throat> if that's mm-hmm. what it's going to take to do what they know is the right thing. 
Right. right. Yeah, for sure. So flipping that, that question back on itself, mm-hmm. what are some things that you did while you were single that helped in your relationship? Yeah. You want to go first? Uh, sure. Best thing I did was discerning religious life. That sounds incredibly upside down, but it's true. (laughs) Um, When I was a a kid, everybody always asked me, what do you want to do? What do you want to be? And for some reason, despite my, you know, years of Catholic homeschooling, you know, Catholic school, literally like memorizing the catechism, you know, and attending mass. Um, I joke that my parents are more Catholic than the Pope. (laughs) Um, but we, we were, we were given an amazing, you know, instruction in the Catholic faith. And yet somehow I never crossed that bridge of asking God, what do you want me to do? Um, and, and really trying to orient my life to that question. And instead I was always very afraid to ask that question because I thought God must be waiting for me to hand him my heart so that he can crush it and so that he can give me a life that is going to be all penance because look at the saints they had terrible miserable times I don't know how they made it through a lot of them got martyred so I was very scared to open myself up to that question and consequently I just did what I wanted to do and I didn't know how to discern anything so when I actually when all the signs started lining up that I really needed to think about religious life and all of my objections to it were knocked down one by one, um, including that, you know, I I couldn't be an artist or an actress as a nun. And then I went to visit a convent in um, Bethlehem, Connecticut, where the cloistered nuns ran a a theater. (laughs) And that was kind of the last straw where I was like, okay, God, I've been putting you in a box and I need to open myself up to the possibility that you have something in mind for me that I haven't had for myself this whole time. Um, and that came after many years of, of, um, pursuing my dreams and realizing they weren't going to make me happy. I was a a Broadway touring actress and spent the, spent two years of my life touring the country and Canada. And everyone was so impressed with, you know, me booking those, those high profile jobs. And, uh, I was the envy of all my actor friends in New York and so forth. But Honestly, I I came to the end of that road and I realized I wasn't happy still. And so hopefully that can save some people some time. Um, But I just truly encourage you to to discern religious life. Just be open to it. Visit some convents. You have nothing to lose. They're not going to suck you in. Um, (laughs) One nun said to me, she's like, Stacy, if this isn't your calling, trust me, we don't want you here because we're going to have to live with you and you're going to be miserable. (laughs) So... I'd say that was the best thing um, to really surrender my future to God. And then that taught me that that orientation of the heart that I was referring to earlier, where you are oriented towards surrender and you're oriented towards um, continually running to God and asking him, will you show me instead of I'm going to tell you what to do, (laughs) God, because that's obviously um, pride right there, thinking that you could be that you could know better than God himself. Um, so yeah, that would be one thing that I did well. And that process of discernment took me about a year and it was terrifying. And I felt like professionally, this is taking me nowhere. It's not, if I'm, if I'm not called to this, you know, I've quote unquote wasted a year of my life. Um, when in fact that was just a lie from the devil, um, it was the best preparation that I could have had for John. And it actually, 
I, I think, <clears throat> really fast-tracked our relationship because once we did meet, it was like, oh, there you are. And then we got engaged five months later. So, um, you know, God has gifts waiting for the people who who give him their heart generously. He really does. Um, gifts that you could never predict and that will blow you away. And it turns your life into an adventure, truly. The, the tagline of my podcast is God's Adventure Awaits. And I really 100% believe that with my whole heart. Yeah, I agree with all. I think that's the best answer. Um, also, maybe it's maybe it's too obvious, but just uh, prayer, having a regular practice of prayer, um, yeah, is uh, is enormous. Adoration is awesome. I did a lot of journaling. I was uh, encouraged to do that by a spiritual director when I started discerning in high school, and just getting to know yourself is a, a huge part of it identifying your weakness like a, a huge part of prayer is just like recognizing how needful you are mm -hmm. um and that's a yeah that's that kind of brushes aside everything that needs to be kind of moved out of the way to build a really strong relationship mm -hmm. and knocks down all the stupid um all the stupid things like you've tried to build yourself up into on your own Mm -hmm. um, yeah and hopefully prayer also is truly the, the the pathway to having what your heart most desires before you have your vocation you know I, I think um, I have experienced myself and I have seen this expressed by other people as well so I know I'm not alone that sometimes it can feel like God I'm I'm praying I'm going to adoration I'm doing all the things right and you're still not sending me my spouse and almost like he owes it to you kind of um when like it's transaction really yes mm -hmm. when really the point of it is that god is or should be what our heart most desires and in fact he wants to fulfill us and you know certainly the the dreams that we have are not unimportant you know at, of course and i know that there's a quite an ache there for single people who would like to find their spouse and and haven't found them yet but to not use that against god and and saying instead of like why aren't you bringing me my spouse to say like i i trust that things are happening in your timing and please show me like if there is that ache in my heart please show me how to how you will fill it um yeah there's many times where i <clears throat> when i was discerning religious life i was encouraged to really ask god for specific things if i was lonely ask him to send me a sign of his love that day and i can't tell you the number of times that that was fulfilled and that builds trust with the lord you know that he's not just stringing you along and just keeping you waiting for no reason but that there is a plan and that sometimes like if you don't know if you don't ask him for anything other than that one thing it's like a, a toddler like keeping their eyes on you know, the candy, and he's trying to give you, you know, meatloaf for dinner <laughs> before you have the candy. And you're just, if you're just so focused on that one thing, you can't get that nutrition that you need. You can't get that, that sustenance that you need before you get to the part where you get to, um, you know, to get the thing that you have your eyes fixed on. So yeah, that's kind of an aside, but hopefully that's what your prayer life leads you to, you know, and I say this to myself, 
it's just, it's true for our entire lives. You know, John, when John and I got married, it raised more questions than it answered. And we are continually, you know, I'm, he's such a blessing in my life, but we're continually figuring it out together. And there's continually things that are difficult or lonely or um, unfulfilled in our hearts. And we have to continually bring that to the Lord. So I'm saying this just to myself, just as much myself as I am to every person listening. One of the things that I find most beautiful about the world, which I know a lot of people don't agree with, but is the fact that we're continually changing and Mm -hmm. we're like, you know, someone once asked me like, what is something that you would like pick to never change again in your life? Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting with that question for like a long time and I just answered like literally nothing. Like Mm -hmm. I... I don't want to be stuck somewhere if if the next place I'm going to be is going to be better. Mm. You know, like I don't ever want to be stuck. And I think that that continual change, like we can always have a vision in our mind, like that's that's the end. That's when we when we've achieved it, we've achieved it. Kind of like a fairy tale where they're like, and they lived happily ever after. But that doesn't exist. There's no achieving. There's no. 100%. Like, you know, absolutely. You guys know that better than I do. No, absolutely. There's no finish line in life where you're like, okay, I'm done. And I mean, if you look at like even what I, the person that I was when we got married, oh my goodness, so many, so many changes. John's Mm -hmm. watched me go through a million and one changes. There's things that I asked for on my wedding registry that only this year am I actually pulling out to use. They have like sat and they were expensive appliances, so I didn't want to get rid of them. But things that I'm actually using this year, because all of a sudden I'm now canning and like obsessed with gardening. And, you know, that was not true when we got married. If you had asked me if I cared about having a garden in five years, I would have been like, "Mm, I probably not. But, you know, there's so many things about you that change. Yes. So it's continually making that commitment to that person as you change and you change together, Um, much more so than like finding this finished, perfect person who's just never going to. True. Never yeah. gonna change on you. And you have to remember that about your spouse as well. That they're not gonna just like park and just be there. There's no parking. And I don't know how I'd like to credit this to myself. <laughs> but I probably can't. But Stacy, like she changes for the better over and over again. And it's Start. it's weird. Oh like I thought she was weird when we got married. <laughs> but then she keeps getting just cooler and so it must be something that I'm doing right. <laughs> Most likely. It's all John. It's all John. Yes. I am blossoming in John's. What are you talking life. about? I can see a sense of humor and I've been talking to him for 45 minutes. <laughs> I wasn't joking. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't a joke. That's what you don't understand. <laughs> no, I, <clears throat> I actually... Uh, but she is super great. And I do find that, um, yeah, if, if if there's anything, it's just surrendering over mm-hmm. and over again. Because every time you surrender something to God, it comes back more beautiful um, or in a different, yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, there is truth to what John said in, in the sense that <clears throat> when you have that stability and that security of the love of another person and they're continually reflecting God's love to you, <clears throat> and you are continually presented with challenges that are refining you and working on you, um, you know, like gold in the furnace, you 
you do become better. You do become, my goodness, the things I used to struggle with in my 20s. I'm like, I am, I do not even think about those things anymore. Thank God. Like, I've been delivered from those struggles. And um, yeah, so it really does. And, you know, I've watched John just mature into fatherhood. And it's been so, yeah, it's been so beautiful. You really do get better and better, I think. Yeah. Even if on the outside you look you know, it's quite typical once you start having babies, it's quite typical to be a little, little curvier in places you didn't used to be or, you know, just not be quite so fit or have quite such an impressive resume that you're continually doing all the things. But the journey is an internal one. And to those who really know you deeply, it's the most exciting thing. It's I can say from personal experience, I've been, you know, I've toured 43 states and nearly every province of Canada and um that was an adventure, but parenthood and, and marriage is a way better one, a much deeper one. What would you guys say to what is something that you like was an unexpected joy and an unexpected cross in marriage so far? Ooh. <clears throat> um, hmm. Do you want to think about it? Yeah. Mm. Do you have anything in mind? Well, the unexpected cross, definitely Nora's story, Nora's journey. Um, I think when, when you're pregnant, you don't really anticipate that you're going to have issues. Um, you just, you know that most babies make it here okay. And our first two did. And then our, our third was really the, oh my goodness, um, that was the hardest time of my life. Um, I had something called a placental abruption, which means the placenta, which nourishes and feeds the baby, um, was a loser, just decided to not do its job anymore. And um, it started separating from the uterine wall, meaning that all of the blood that was supposed to go to Nora, to the baby, um, I basically was just bleeding out in the middle of the night while I was asleep. And by the time I woke up and we got to the ER, um, Nora, and I had lost so much blood that um, it was bad for me and far, far worse for her. Um, it took 22 minutes of CPR to bring her heart rate back. John and I had talked a couple of months before about what our worst fears were. I don't know why we were talking about that, but one of them, probably our worst fear was losing each other. And then um, very close second behind that was something happening to one of our children. So just waking up after my emergency c-section and just seeing my little baby in the incubator and she was having seizures and brain bleeds and she has a, a lifelong disability of cerebral palsy and uh, she got infections she needed four major intestinal surgeries for a condition called necrotizing enterocolitis which is basically where you get holes in your intestines um, her organs were so greatly weakened they were very susceptible to something like that happening so it took four major surgeries to to correct that and she came home with a feeding tube um, her brain damage kind of destroyed her ability to have like a sucking reflex and a swallowing reflex so she couldn't eat by mouth um, she I mean I could go on and on about everything that happened she was in the NICU for 126 days and those days were, I mean, a, a dark night of the soul like no other. 
and made far worse by the fact that we had to leave our home, we had to leave our, our community, and we had to go live with my parents for part of the time, and then the Ronald McDonald House in D.C. because Nora needed um, specialists that were further away. So our entire family rhythm, our entire family life was totally disrupted. Um, and that was, I mean, that was a cross in ways that I, I could talk about so much. Um, but I think, I think probably the hardest one was the spiritual darkness, just because I couldn't feel God's love at all during that time. And, oh my goodness, I would pray my rosary to and from the hour-long drive to the NICU. And that was about the only thing that I could really do. Um, my, my entire prayer life was pretty much shut down at that point just because I was so I was so in crisis mode for those continually for those 126 days that if I relaxed for a minute enough to start praying, I would just fall asleep. You know, I was in fight or flight mode continually. And it's, at a certain point, it's, it's sort of like pressing the ignition while you're flooring the brakes of a car, you know, and when you do that for too long, something's going to break eventually. So for me, it was like the lights are on, but nobody home. I was functional, but I wasn't able to really do anything except try to process the immediate crises that kept happening one after another. And during that time, John was just such a channel of God's love to me. You know, we would, our, our relationship became kind of like a phone relationship for more than half the week because after a few weeks, John had to go back to work. But our daughter hadn't come home from the NICU. So we were, she was in the hospital. I was with my parents and the other two children. And I'd go back and forth to the hospital every day. And then John had to work um, out in our home in Winchester. And we would just see him on the weekends. And uh, it was the strangest thing going back to almost like a dating relationship. Um, and we missed each other so terribly. You know, he really was the one that I relied on for, for my stability. Um, in those times and he, he just did such a great job. He was at my side every moment for the first three weeks just continually. I mean I was like a baby because I was so not only had I had a major surgery you know the c-section but I was just trying to be strong for my daughter and I couldn't think of anything else. So John wore the sanity hat for both of us and um, the the fruit of that has been I still struggle to express it. You know, people ask me, like, how did this experience affect your faith? And I'm like, well, it made it stronger and it created wounds. <laughs> but I'm not sure how I how it became stronger, except when I look at the generosity of the people around me and I look at the generosity of my husband, I was being shown God's love in a way that didn't come from any sort of like internal prayer life at all. It was all very external. It was sort of like going back to childhood and, and being totally dependent and needing to have love shown to you and relearning that, like being so vulnerable. And it was shown to me um, through a million channels, one of the primary ones being John. And we just, since that time, we really, we don't fight about there's a lot less ego, I think, that we both have in our marriage because when you can't go to a place like that with someone and not grow together. Um, and I think that's, that's something really hopeful. Um, my brother just got married this past June and 
I think the, the thing I wanted to impart to him more than anything else is not to be afraid of the hard times because they really make you who you are called to be. And even though it is going to hurt so badly going through some of those times, the fruit of all of it can be can be really nothing but good. I mean, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, I know we're going pretty long. So feel free to, um, to edit my thing out. Also, I hope it's not too explicit. But um, I think my answer for both the questions, the joy and the cross, I think uh, marital sexuality has been like more of both of those than I expected. Mm -hmm. More of a joy, more of a cross. Um, and such an incredible image of God's love for the soul and his intimacy with the soul mm -hmm. and desire. Because like, um, God desires us so painfully much all the time. And um, m much of the time we're just like not available to him. Mm -hmm. When we first got married, we got pregnant uh, immediately, like wedding night. Like baby, immediately, like right. hours later. <laughs> and so one of, the, one of the triggers for Stacy's nausea was my my aroma, <laughs> um, my smell. So if I would like get close to her, try to kiss her or anything, she'd throw up sometimes. It was really sad. It, I, nobody else I've talked to has had this little, weird symptom. Yeah, a little bit rough for newlyweds. It didn't last too okay. long. Um, that was kind of a more extreme example, but I think for anybody, um, yeah, like you're going to have to really offer, offer your, your desire for the other continuously because we have natural desires for, for each other, for, for sex. Um, but it has to be a gift um, mm -hmm. to the other and your focus has to be on the other and like Christ, as much as he desires us, his focus is always on us and mm -hmm. our good. Um, and so it's incredible the like the spring of joy and goodness and beauty and life that comes out of that. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's so interesting. I, I think, um, actually I'm glad you brought that up, John, cause I feel like sex isn't talked enough, talked about enough necessarily, but it's, um, you know, you go through your seasons of life and so far, because we've had, this is our fourth, um, my fourth pregnancy. Pregnancy is not a happy time for me. <laughs> um, just, I have, you know, all of the gross nausea and difficult, um, just all the tough symptoms. I, I'm definitely not one of those ladies who's like, I love being pregnant. I wish I were and more power to all of those women. That is so awesome. But I really, there's an imbalance because, you know, John is John all the time. And I am nauseous, exhausted Stacy, like more than half, probably the half of our relationship, our married life. Yeah, Bethel. So you get married and you think, okay, now I've waited, you know, and I've saved, you know, we've saved ourselves for this. And then it's like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this is, uh, there's still a lot of self-control. There's still that. There's still a vow of chastity within marriage, you know, and, and that looks, that can be kind of a rude awakening, I think, because there's just a lot of days where I'm like, I, I'm going to bed at six tonight, honey. Can you do bedtime with the kids and then, you know, snuggle me if you're lucky, <laughs> if right. I'm already asleep and I'm not going to throw up? I know that sounds terrible. Stacy was very generously agrees to put those kids to bed, to bed while I sleep at six o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. I know. I'm so good like that. Yeah. It, and you really, you know, so, so John's, um, what do we talk? We were talking about this the other day and, and I was just encouraging John to sit to 
acknowledge that just because it can't be met doesn't mean that it's not a need. Um, there can be needs that aren't met and that's where, whew, just like when you're single and you feel like my emotional needs are not being met, I don't have that person yet. In marriage too, that person can't always meet your needs. Doesn't mean that you don't need them. It just means that there's there's a gap there and that's there's a reason for that. Um, but it is painful. Um, so yeah. yeah, that was a good one, John. Well, thanks. <laughs> I am just like soaking all of this in. <laughs> I feel like I'm just like, I love that you guys are touching on all these topics because I talk about this all day with people, but I, but at the same time I'm not married. So like hearing it from like an experience side, I'm just like, keep saying it, keep saying it because it's so true. Yeah. What do you see like as an, a need? Um, I don't know. What are, is there anything that you want to like bring to the fore that we have said that you particularly th- see as like a struggle or, I mean, I'm trying to do, I, I think everything, <laughs> everything. No, but I think just like the whole idea of like when not, I know sometimes there's like a blanket statement of like, even when you get married, it's not like you can just flip a switch and all of a sudden you're never lonely or all of a sudden you never struggle with X, Y, Z again. And I know that that's said a lot of times, but it's often just left like that. And there's no real hope of like, okay, but what can I do about it? Like specifically, what can I do about Mm. something so that I'm not finding myself in that position? Right. 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 Oh, that's really, that's a good point. Yeah. I think like in what you were saying earlier, which I absolutely loved of, you know, if you had only just not that you weren't trusting the Lord, but now seeing how faithful he has been to you with John and like you wouldn't have had any moments doubt but when you're in that I mean I know we can't go back in time but when you're in that it's so hard to see yes absolutely you feel like you're being shipwrecked every day if you're not careful um you have to guard your eyes about you know what you look at on social media which is hard because you can't always you can't control what the algorithm is going to push the top of your newsfeed and those, you know, but you can control whether or not you even go on the app at all. Um, but yeah, it, it absolutely. Yeah. There's some, um, there was something that you said, um, Oh, about like working through your struggles after you're married. I think the hope is like your spouse is there. Like, it's not like, it's not like you're, you're confronting something and there's nowhere to go. Um, it's true that you don't flip a switch and become a different person, but the beauty is that you communicate with your spouse about it. You're honest with each other. You work on it together and you watch each other like grow and help each other grow through that. So it's definitely not like running into the same brick wall over and over again either. Um, and, and so I think I think that's important to acknowledge as well. It's like there's a way through it. Absolutely, and that's the whole point of of marriage is is carrying each other. And and John, John, I think when John does that for me, it energizes me to do that for him. And that's where it really 
turns into something more beautiful than either of you could have imagined if you really live that out. Right. It does often feel like a seesaw, like one of us is strong and holding the other's hand and pulling them along, and the other one's like depressed and dragging behind, <laughs> but like still making progress because we're attached to this person, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I can make it until 4.45 every day with right. the kids, and then John walks in the door and I'm like, oh, I can't do anything anymore. Yeah, but... <laughs> On a, on a broader scale, too, like some weeks right. you're just having a rough week. Yes. And it, when uh, when your spouse steps up and kind of carries you along, uh, it can be it can be a little dizzying sometimes to go mm. up and down like that over and over again and wish that you could just be on the same level and enjoy each other's company for a little bit. Um, but, well, not uh, everybody has four children in five years, so maybe some people do. <laughs> but it makes me think of those those things you see in old, old cartoons on the railroads. Where like you have the, the two people like pushing the little seesaw mm -hmm. thing and it propels them along. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. It, yeah. It seems like a great way to Yeah, to to draw closer to heaven is just to keep going up and down with each other. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, and that, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say, I, I just think like it sound it's such a weird illustration and it, it is rather disorienting, but one thing that I wish I had known when I was single was that I was going to be like that I was going to love John so much more that I was going to be so um loving my life as a married person that I wouldn't trade it for anything you know I wish I had known like how it's not moment to moment happiness there's like like superficial happiness there's tons of tons of um effort and you know love that you're pouring into your family every day and it's and it is difficult but Looking at it, I wouldn't trade my life for anybody else's. And I think I was always worried that marriage was just going to kind of slowly crumble and like the wedding day was the peak. And then after that, it's like, oh, okay, this is not as good as it once was. It's like, that's, you know, it's all downhill from there. And really, that's not, that's not true at all. As long as you not choose yet. to keep loving each other. <laughs> yeah. We'll let you know if that ever changes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We probably shouldn't actually. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I'm blown away by how it has exceeded my expectations of what could even be possible, you know, in, in, in the sense of the internal journey and the depth of the depth of your relationship, the depth of, of your, of our love together. Um, I just, I love John as much as I could have on our wedding day. And it, the capacity has expanded since then. And I really mean that in, in the years that have gone by. Um, and I know that's not true for every couple, obviously, but I think when you are, yeah, when you let God work in, in your hearts, um, everybody goes through those difficult times, but you can, he, your capacity will continue to expand. And to me, that's about the most hopeful thing that I could ever tell anybody who wants to be married is that this is, it's possible. Like it's, it's possible to love each other more and it's possible to grow um, deeper. And if you see bad marriages around you, that is not the reality that your marriage has to be. You get to choose to break any patterns that were present in other marriages or your formative, you know, relationships throughout your life. You, you know, you get a chance to really make it something so beautiful. So anyway, I feel like I'm talking too much in broad generalizations now, but I hope that message conveys the way I intended. I mean, I think, I think so. <laughs> we'll Thank see you. If everyone else thinks so. Um, I know it is going a long time and you have a very busy life, so I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but I love asking this quote, or I mean question, 
about quotes. There we go. Um, to everybody that I talked to, so is there a quote that's been really speaking to you lately? From that is, that is a great question. I love that too. That's a good question. So one that uh, I shared with Stacy recently. I don't have verification on the source of this quote, but I'm pretty sure it's from St. Ambrose. Uh, he says, recognize that uh, when you're being tempted, a crown is being prepared for you in heaven. Um, I've shared that with a couple other guys, dads in particular, and it's just really meaningful for us. Um, mm -hmm. It's so strengthening and, yeah, inspiring and hopeful. Yeah. The one that you told me the other day was also, that has just been running through my mind. I think it was St. Ephraim of Syria or Ephraim, Saint the, Ephraim Sy the Syrian. The right, Syrian. Yeah. Okay. St. Ephraim the Syrian. Um, and I'm going to butcher this because I can't remember the exact wording and it's almost 10 o'clock at night, which is fine. I think I might remember if you want me to. Yes. Okay. You say my quote. Go for it. He says something to the effect of um, like the fire that surrounds the damned in hell is the same fire that came down on the, the apostles of Pentecost. Um, Let that hit you for a second. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Isn't that intense. So intense. Right. She, she's gonna I can't off. handle myself right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So intense. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. You could take well, a lot. On that <laughs> note. <laughs> yeah, there, you go. there is so much to think about. As I'm like weeding my garden, I'm like thinking about that. And I'm just like, whoa. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Aren't the saints like the biggest gift? to us yeah. to like leave these nuggets for us to like Absolutely. chew on because like how monotonous would it be if everyone had to learn all these lessons themselves and in a way we do mm, but at sure. the same time we can like propel so much further and so much faster by yes. learning from other people 100 percent. yes yeah i i've been asked before um uh I'm, I'm very blessed at work to be able to talk to a lot of people i do ultrasounds at the hospital so I just like chat with people for 20 minutes um, each throughout the course of my day. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we talk about religion and stuff. Sometimes we talk about the Catholic faith. And when I, when I try to express my gratitude for the Catholic faith, I often talk about the saints. Like, what an incredible gift. Mm. They're, they're like little Christs that uh, kind of fill out the picture of Christ, like mm. what it is to live as Christ on earth. Um, In so many different ways. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. They're so, they're so active. Yeah. And uh, awesome. Our oldest is five, so we're just coming to the point where we're we're just starting our homeschool kindergarten, and it's so fun for me to kind of discover new saints as well as like telling my children about the saints that I love, and that's just a really fun aspect of mom life is like celebrating liturgically throughout the year. It's this whole thing that I just didn't do when I was single um, in that way, and I I just love it so much. It's like such a fun journey. Um, and then you feel like you've got all these companions um, along along the way helping you with specific struggles, which is amazing. Yeah, got this totally. little Saint Therese picture here <laughs> that I put next to the computer so that when I say something, I can look at her and see how she reacts. <laughs> I love she's... that. I love it. I have a picture here yeah. of JP2, and I yeah. often refer to him as my favorite coworker because I work by myself, but... Yeah. He's always there. He's always there. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. St. Therese's reaction has been a little stern this whole time. 
But I think she's not. I think she's. I think she's Believe proud of you. Not, it's changed quite a bit for me <laughs> over the course of the interview. Um. Yeah, we've been looking at her the whole time. She's yeah. right here. Beautiful. Yeah, it's fun when my kids see a, a picture of St. Therese. They'll say, Mommy, look, there's your friend. Isn't that cute? Oh, that yeah. just melts my heart. Oh, my God. Yeah, they know. I'm like, they know I love her. It's One great. of the things that I didn't appreciate so much when I was little, I was homeschooled. And um, rock on. You don't come across as I think that homeschool. That's a compliment. My first day of school ever was college. Believe it or not. Yeah. That's amazing. Dude, I was homeschooled, too um through for more than half my life and i've yes yeah. yeah i didn't get the homeschool vibe from you either and again a compliment although i think homeschoolers are awesome. homeschooling is amazing i love it is amazing They're i i'm here things. first to say that but what i was trying to say was i didn't appreciate it so much during the moment when my yeah. my mom tried to make us do saint's day presentations mm, sure yeah like in front of people right like you're by yourself and like you dress up and I, I thought it was fun when I was little, little. And yeah. when I got to be older and I didn't have to dress up anymore, I thought it was still fun. But that really, like, I've had such a good relationship with the saints and I, mm. it was just stemmed from being so young when I started learning about them. Yeah, That's like one of the awesome. biggest gifts to like tell your kids about saints. And I loved you know, being, getting to the ages that certain saints were when they did something or maybe when they died, because I was like, oh my gosh, like this year I'm really close to St. Maria Goretti or like, you know, whatever it may be. So, yeah. yeah, it's also depressing too, when you're like, oh my gosh, I have so far outlived my heroes and what have I done? <laughs> or also when you're like, they were my age, look at how much more they accomplished than I. Right, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. holy. Yeah. so far to go but the cool oh. thing about yeah the saints is that like there's always one that kind of fits your your life as well mm. so i and they stalk time, you and going back to saint Teresa of avila because like she was holier than me for sure probably her whole life but she didn't become like saint holy until she was mm. in her like 40s late 40s, 30s or, or 40s, 50s or something yeah something like that yeah. she so, was a nun for like over a decade so i think before she like she right. was like the comfortable sort of nun I right, think, right right yeah but yeah, I was reading her autobiography, and that's kind of a myth too. She was a pretty hardcore nun, but uh, compared to what came later, she was she was yeah, a softie. Yeah, it's all relative. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's all relative. That's what I'm gonna tell myself. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's all relative, and you know, holiness for us is gonna look different because we have the internet and so many other different conveniences. The world is just a different place. Like I think. Yeah, I mean, this is going off on a totally separate tangent, but I think when your reality is harder and you're so much closer, you need people so much more and you need to like work by the sweat of your brow for a living as most people have done throughout all of history, um, which we, we do too, but like, I mean, like farming your own food and so forth, that kind of, you know, reliance on day-to-day -day kind of like provision from the Lord. I think... Um, in some ways, maybe holiness is easier. Not to say that it was easier for them, just that there's a natural inclination towards it. And we just have to fight against like the laziness that we're capable of now. Yes. Yeah. Let that be a message to all those out there. Fight the laziness. <laughs> Speaking to myself, very much so. Yes. 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 
Absolutely. But not all rest is lazy, so I should let you get your rest <laughs> for sure. <laughs> but that. seriously, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. I have fun. just like soaked all this up and I am so grateful that you guys took time out of your day with all oh, of your children. It's a joy. Yeah, thanks for doing what you do. This yeah. is really neat. Yeah, this was great fun for us. Thank you so much. And we're praying for all your listeners for the heartache and struggle of being single, you know, praying that the Lord fills their hearts and brings them the right person. And, you know, that he is truly the desire of their, of their life fulfilled. Amen. Thanks for tuning into the Dear Beloved podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend or many on social media and leave a rating and review. And don't forget to follow along at the Beloved Collective on Instagram and YouTube. That's Beloved spelled B-L-V-E-D.